Number one in the US with this song, written by Keith Forsey. Uh, and according to Forsey, Brian Ferry of Roxy Music uh, was his first choice to record it. He turned it down, but Forsey was a big fan of the band Simple Minds, so he tried to get them to record it by delivering a cassette demo. But the band wanted nothing to do with it because they didn't write it. Jim Kerr said, hang on, you want us to do a song we didn't write? But it went on to change pop history, didn't it? Mm. What a song. Favourite song. Seriously? Of all time, one of my favourites. Let's bring it up just a little bit. Here we go. Just an amazing song. And my wonderful producer, Sam, says, Hey, Wallace, you played this a month ago. And I said, Sam, it's written in my contract that I have to play this song (laughs) once a month. So here it is again. It's an anthem, Sam. Exactly. (laughs) It's... It's a 25 uh, to 5, the panel, RNZ National. Back uh, to the budget and turning to the impact uh, of the budget on our most vulnerable. And actually, just recapping uh, what's in it, if you have uh, just turned on the news, the government will extend 20 hours of free childcare a week to two-year-olds, previously three years. Picking up medicine will be free from July with the $5 prescription fee scrapped. The trustee tax rate rise will go from 33% to 39% in line with the top tax rate. $10.7 billion poured into infrastructure and $6 billion for a national resilience plan. Permanent free public transport for under-13s is being introduced along with half-price fares for under-25s. Kiwi Rail to receive an extra $370 million and Timatatini, the country's largest kapahaka competition, will receive $34 million over the coming two years to help resource that and the festival will get more funding than the New Zealand Symphony Orchestra for the first time. So that's some of the key uh, uh, announcements. Uh, there are others, but with us now we have Brooke Powell Stanley from Auckland Action Against Poverty. It's an organisation that advocates for livable incomes for or oh, Brooke uh, Kia ora. Kia ora. Thanks for having us. It's a pleasure, Brooke. How did you view this budget? Uh, I think it's just a fake wellbeing budget for the communities that we love and support at AAAP. There's nothing in there to, um, about lifting benefit levels or low wages. Um, there's nothing in there about actually making those community services that did receive funding, uh, making them free for all. And so to us, it's kind of like, yeah, we're, the communities that we live and support at AAAP have been living through a cost of living crisis for years, some of them generations now, and there's nothing uh, in there to even suggest um, or look at eliminating poverty in New Zealand. 
So I, I guess you're echoing what uh, Susan St. John, the economist, said uh, at the start of the show, that's saying, look, you know, they've modelled the gaps, the shortfall of payday to payday, and it's between 100 and 200 bucks, uh, and really it's just not going to address anything substantial. Well, exactly, and for some of the families that we work with, it's the shortfall is way bigger than that, um, and so... We're disappointed. We always are by the budget, actually, if I'm being real. And so, um, yeah, it's just, okay. it just sucks. Let's bring our panel. Brooke, we've got a panel here. Uh, Mark, starting with you. So, Brooks, how, how much worse have things... I mean, you know, you see there's been a cost-of-living crisis for, for a long time and generations, and we really, really get that. And it's, it's a terrible thing for a country like New Zealand to have that such a big problem. But during the last three years through COVID, have things got demonstrably worse? Yeah, and I think we've seen that in the massive increase in families accessing food banks. Um, it just reflects food insecurity and having to apply for accommodation supplement to help with rent. And so I think COVID really exacerbated, I think, all aspects, actually, across the system mm. and showed us that there are so many parts of our system that are chronically underfunded, um, underinvested and underserved. Mm. Ruth? Uh, to take it for what you're saying, Brooke, I don't disagree with anything. Um, and thank you for all of your mahi. Um, who do you think the budget has delivered for? I think it's delivered for middle and um, well-to-do New Zealanders. And I think, to be real, most budgets always do. Uh, the communities that we work with at AAAP, uh, they're never seen, they're never recognised for the work that they're doing, the unseen work that happens in our communities. Um, and that's, it's, yeah, it's just really disappointing. I mean, like, for example, looking after children... It's great that they've put money into ECU centres um, and pay, looking at pay parity, but actually looking after children is essential work and that our system doesn't recognise that is wild. I, Brooke, <laughs> I'm nodding my head. I can't, you can't see me, but um, I, I absolutely honour everything you are saying. And it is, you know, I think... I said it before, and I think there is systemic change and people need to be brave. Um, and we're looking to our politicians to do that and nothing is happening. I'm on the front line every day like you guys are. Um, and it does feel like sometimes we are in a war zone trying to help these whanau through. Um, so I do, I absolutely mahi to what you are doing. So you can really relate, uh, Ruth, to what Brooke is saying is what you are seeing, right? Absolutely, and and it flows through. Right. Um, you know, we have, we have to fix this stuff. It is just a self-perpetuating, it's a revolving mm. door. Right. You know, you can't eat, you can't sleep, you, therefore what does your mahi look like? It, it, it just spirals. We've got to mm. get these basics right. I think it was Ernie that was saying, I call her before, we, until we sort humanity, mm. you know, we, we are not going to be able to step forward okay. as Aotearoa. Brooke, can I, can I raise the issue of scrapping the $5 prescription fee in the budget? Um, what of that? It's been sort of cited as one of the, I guess, key uh, measures. So that's um, that, that five dollar charge for medicines at pharmacies set to save uh, around what three million people a year money. 
Yeah, I mean, it's great that people can get their medicine, but healthcare should be free in this country. Doctors, you still have to pay to go and see the doctors. Um, why isn't it free for everyone? You know, why don't we have dental that's free? Like, all of these services that actually contribute to thriving communities, they're essential services. Um, they're needed for everyone. And why are we making people pay for them if poverty is such a huge issue in this country? And this is such a tiny band-aid when really you could have gone to Chemist Warehouse and got your prescription for free anyway. Mm. So all this is doing is making sure that we're not going to Chemist Warehouse to get a free prescription so that their profits go to Australia. Um, and Chemist Warehouse aren't <laughs> local. They're not everywhere. No, no they're not everywhere. You know what I mean? And mm. they're Australian-owned, as I understand it. So, uh, you know... <laughs> Again, it's a tiny band-aid. It's an ambulance at the bottom of the cliff because okay. actually it's the health care that we need to be dealing with. Mm-hmm. Brooke, very nice to have you on the program. Kia ora. appreciate your time. Thank you. That's Brooke Powell Stanley uh, from Auckland Action Against Poverty. That's an organisation that advocates for livable incomes for all. Before we go to our next guest uh, on the panel on RNZ, national uh just look a bit of feedback and this time it's not about the budget but it's about um mark north thomas's brain explosion when he <laughs> said that which it really is isn't it it's just a thought experiment uh, should new zealand become uh, a state of australia and uh, surprisingly i guess uh, many agreed wholeheartedly agree with mark north thomas's summary of New Zealand's state of nation. Um, although I'm an Australian, I don't agree with his solution per se, but something bold needs to be done. Uh, Mark in the Rangiora says, New Zealand should become a state. Hell yes. Uh, pay those medical professionals in Australia dollars, uh, then many will stay. Think of the opportunities for our future generations in a progressive economy with, economy, with real economies of scale. Yes, says someone else, we should become a state of Australia. As an economy of five million, we cannot provide the infrastructure of health education and transport. Um, another one here. I'm an Australian citizen. I'm an Australian with New Zealand citizenship, living in New Zealand. If New Zealand became a state of Australia, I'd nail my own head to the floor in protest. <laughs> Strongly disagree. Um, now to this. Um, what of countering family and sexual violence in the 2023 budget? This was already announced, but I did want to include it. It is important. Um, The National Strategy to Eliminate Family Violence and Sexual Violence was launched last year to Aotearoa. It's a 25-year strategy and is expected to increase political and public sector accountability by setting out what the government was committing to do and how it'll measure. Uh, But it has to have investment in services and interventions to work. I thought we'd raise the issue with Dr. Debbie Hager, School of Population Health at the Faculty of Medical and Health Sciences at Auckland University. Dr. Hager, welcome. Kia ora. Kia ora, Debbie. So you've got $73 million here to counter family and sexual violence. What of that for the 23 budget? Is it enough? It's as usual, a very good start. And I think that ministers and public servants work very hard to bring us any money to address domestic and sexual violence. It's often difficult for this issue to even really get traction, I think, when governments are thinking about what to spend their money on. So we're always very pleased that we have money. And this is not about 
um, particularly about progressing services. It's filling in, this one is filling in some of the gaps. And for me, I'm particularly pleased that for the first time we see money to address violence against disabled people. So there's money to start developing some extra service responses for disabled people and to make mainstream services more accessible. And that's the first time we've seen that. So last year we wrote um, a public letter complaining that there had been no money for disability. And so this year there is. That's been a long-running issue, hasn't it? And unaddressed. And uh, just for back, background, you were a lead author of a Human Rights Commission report on violence and abuse against people with disabilities. Quite quite a sort of forgotten realm there, but uh, at last it is being addressed. Stay there, Dr. Harper. Let's bring in our panel. Uh, Ruth. Uh, kia ora, Dr. Um, I obviously spend a lot of time in this sector. Um, yes, the putia is good and we battle for it on the front line. Um, but I'd have to say I'm very disappointed in that as much as um, Te Ara was announced last year, that was a rehash and a rebrand of the Family Violence Joint Venture Business Unit. Um, what happened with all that money? We, I'm not seeing any change at the front line and that was millions of dollars of budget. Debbie? Yes, and so while I'm very pleased that we have some money, as I I think it's always interesting how little we get in relation to other things. And the thing I was thinking about was that the military have been given about $750 million in this budget, which is for pay increases and for infrastructure development to improve housing for the military. And so I think it's interesting that the pro-violence people get so much money and the anti-violence people get relatively so little. And I do think that work is going on to, to lead change around how we address domestic violence. But if we're still putting vast amounts of money into the sort of hierarchical violence structures that create harm, and abuse and that socialise people into violence, we're not going to be making the real differences that we need right. to make. Anyone want to respond to that? Mark? So in terms of uh, the spend of the money, what, what do you think would be prioritised or as being the most mission-critical areas? I know you've mentioned that it's great to see funding for um, these, the issues in the disability sector with violence towards disabled persons, which is, which is never good. Uh, where, where would you see the greatest need for the, the top priorities for the spend? I think if we're really going to do it properly, we need to do it across government. So we were talking, I've just been in a meeting about violence today, we're talking about the need for housing so that people have somewhere safe to move to. It's the same issues that everyone talks about, having sufficient income to support people when they leave violent relationships, looking at how we model violence across the whole of our society and addressing how we model violence so that we're modelling non-abusive relationships across society so that people have something, have new ways of thinking about power and how they use power in their relationships. I think we have to address it at the fundamental structural level to really make change. Otherwise, we're constantly just putting money into 
into helping people escape harm and helping them recover from harm. But if we're looking at where we need to put it, we need to put significant money into helping people recover. Okay, because Debbie. then get yes. with their lives. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Debbie, thank you very much um, for being on today. Uh, that is Dr. Debbie Harger there uh, from the Faculty of Medical uh, and Health Sciences at the University of Auckland. Now, Debbie was a lead author of a Human Rights Commission report on violence and abuse against people with disabilities there. Uh, so $73 million tagged to counter a family and sexual violence budget twenty. 23. Very nice to have your company uh, this afternoon. Someone says, it's fine to say just go to Chemist Warehouse for a free script. It's all very well if you live in the city. My closest Chemist Warehouse is an hour's drive away. So for a lot of people, that's impossible. And for most, impractical. Free prescription is a big thing if you live rurally. You, you lot sit there talking from your city seat you have no clue how helpful that free script would be, says Margie, who was really um, clamping down on you two. I apologise, me. And I, I, I absolutely agree with that because there's no chemist warehouse where I grew up either. However, I think my point badly made was that it is a tiny drop in the bucket versus... That was the main point, wasn't it? It was. Mm. But I absolutely, I, I apologise, Margie, you make a very good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. $5. And let me know. What an email. We're going to pick up on this tomorrow. The $5, scrapping the $5 free prescription fee. Now, um, Brooke Powell Stanley from Auckland Action Against Poverty, she says, so what? But is it going to make a difference to you? For those who are on a series of medications, maybe have whānau who are taking, you know, you go to the chemist and you need to pick up three things, all of a sudden... It's, I think the $60 dollars to go to the doctor is more significant okay. than the $5 dollars to get the prescription. Mm. You know, shouldn't, shouldn't we be incentivising and helping people get the health care? Okay. Um, they're not going to end up at the pharmacy if they can't get to the doctor. Fair point. Email me, the panel at rnz.co.nz. Finally, uh, away from the budget. And by the way, you're going to uh, be hearing more about more analysis on the budget with uh, Checkpoint and Lisa Owen. So do stay listening. I really wanted to talk about something non-budget related today. And I chose this last week. This is interesting. Musician Fiona Fay was served a noise abatement notice by the Lewisham Council in the UK. What was causing the ruckus? her musical instruments. The notice forbids her from playing any musical instruments in her home at any time. So she's launched a petition to clarify what constitutes a statutory nuisance. She says the laws around this were created for people living next door to dog kennels, car racing tracks and nightclubs, not professional musicians practicing their instruments. And that petition has collected over 75,000 signatures on change.org, including that of Wellington musician, great guitarist, Darren Watson. Kia ora, Darren. Kia ora, how are you doing? Well, Very well. When you saw this, what was your reaction? Uh, <laughs> astounding. It's just, I mean, I'm not surprised in the UK, frankly, given, given the kind of thrust of policy lately around what people are allowed and not allowed to do. Uh, so um, I just thought, ah, it's, it's, it's astounding. You know, given that her neighbour can decide to do renovations for six months, Anytime she likes, make as much noise mm. as she wants. Um, she can't practice her guitar and sing. It's bizarre. 
But what if the singing and practicing is not of good quality? Unlike you, Darren, who is, I've heard your guitar playing because you were on the Sunday show and it's amazing. So I'd have no problems being your neighbor. But to some, it's just a noise and a terrible sure. one. Sure, it might just be a noise now. But, you know, I've got a kid who starts practicing every time he comes home from school just down the road. I can hear him. Uh, it could be annoying. He's not great. But it could be the next Tom Larkin. I wouldn't want to stop that. No, no, but it's not it's not annoying to you because it's your son, but what about your neighbour? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, it's not my son, it's some guy oh, down the road. It's like right. okay. It's, I, I, to me, if we're if we're if we have to put up with our neighbours using a buzz saw or a you know, table saw every day, which I do, um, then you know, I think a musical playing a musical instrument in your home should be totally fine. Hmm. Except, um, except for the and, drums. And, and, well, I that, guess the arbitrary the nature pipes. of the decision is part of the problem. Is how how is the decision reached on what is a nuisance, and is it based on level? Is yeah. it objective opinion of one person? Ruth's got um, something in her hand. What are you uh, What are you doing, Ruth? So my darling little friend in Wellington has just had a birthday under the age of 10 and here she is playing a drum kit and all we could say on the chat was oh my goodness what are your neighbors going to say about this <laughs> um so you know, we're all laughing on the chat saying oh danny you're going to uh, drive your neighbors in, in wellington crazy but as you say if the builder is starting you know my i don't get upset about the music i get upset about those leaf blowers they yeah. really annoy me. They're so yeah, noisy. Yeah. Yeah. I would yeah. rather so, have someone so, practicing the recorder than one of those leaf yeah, look, So it's it's a subjective thing, and they should basically have a decibel limit, and it should be measured, and it should be regardless of what the what's actually going on. If it's above a certain level, then it's a problem. If it isn't, then it isn't. Mm. So what about you, Mark? Well, I think everyone's got the right to enjoy their. A place where they live, and that goes both ways for the person who's the next door neighbour to the musician, and also to the musician themselves. They've got the full yeah. right to enjoy where they live. Well, and play really, music. really. Well, what about this? Unless let, it's a bagpipe. Let's let's, <laughs> let's let's find a real solution, Darren, because it can be annoying. That, that trumpet, oh god, the violin, shocker. So, what about this? Why don't we get the government to subsidise? Practice rooms, so um, some of the empty space. So you get a subsidy um, on a practice room, and your son or daughter can go and practice their violin there. Mm, that's a thought. I, I, I personally don't see somebody sitting in a room playing a guitar as any louder than somebody sitting watching a television show. I'm with you. It's yeah. the decibel limit. It doesn't matter what's yeah. making the the decibels, yeah. except the for the bagpipes. And the time of day. Mark. And the time of yeah, day. Yeah. So there's yeah. some. The which moment I think that you put some things do. into it, it becomes mm. a problem. It, mm. it, it becomes an opinion of some person against someone else, and that's I, when the trouble starts. Yeah, you are really quite um, engaged with this. Uh, with this, uh, I mean, and, and so are people. I mean, you're talking about nearly eighty thousand people have signed it. Um, yeah. it's, it's, are you surprised by the level of interest, or does this go to the fact that everybody's had this sort of every musician has had this issue? Mm. I think so, and especially in, a, in an environment where a lot of performance venues are being closed down by people moving in to city, inner city areas and complaining about noise of venues, I think it's kind of struck a few nerves um, that this is the same kind of nimbyism, really, kind of anti-musical nimbyism. That's kind of very Audio nimb. nimbyism! <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of it around. There's a lot of it around. There really is, yeah. It's funny, actually. We, uh, I was in the office a couple of weeks ago and I heard this very loud shouting noise. 
Sorry, keep very going. loud shouting noise from outside. And so I asked one of our security chaps to sort of go and check that what's going on. And it was a busker, actually. And I thought, oh, God. So I went outside and listened, and he was singing Nirvana. And I thought, yeah, he's awesome. But actually, uh, without knowing what he was singing, it didn't sound so great. But then in real life, it was fabulous. So all power to him. Big response here. We did our best to soundproof the garage. It's not perfect, but I'm not sending my kid to a random room across town. Noise rules are the same as lawnmowers. And someone says, down free practice rooms at the Johnsonville Library. Oh well, good, good for yeah. That's great. Um, I can't, I can't go and the library. Set up my you're sitting there trying to read, and then someone's <laughs> bashing out a clarinet. Shoot, or the trumpet. Very good, Darren Kiota, and that's us. Stay tuned to Checkpoint for more budget. But for now, uh, Ruth Money, uh, Mark Knopf, Thomas Kiota, to you both. Kia ora. Kia ora. I'm Wallace Chapman. I am back tomorrow, three forty-five. Speaking of noise, Power Battle Friday. <laughs>